0: Well, good morning church excited to be able to bring God's word to you this morning um, I uh, if you if we've never met my name is Landon Flick and I serve here on staff as our youth and connections director and uh, I get the, the privilege of bringing God's word this morning I'm, I'm excited to serve here with a, a great elder team a great uh, two great pastors that I get to look up to and learn from in ministry and um, just please be aware that pastor Craig does have off this weekend and and next week, so we're just trying to get him some good rest. It's been uh, a long fall season so far, just trying to get him some good rest. So if you have any needs or anything, be sure to reach out to the office or any of the other elders, and we'll um, be happy to help you. But uh, try to leave Pastor Craig alone this week and pray that he gets some good rest, all right? So as you well know, we just wrapped up our series going through uh, First and Second Corinthians. We were there for, uh, man, over a year, and it was a great, fruitful series, and I, I, I took away a lot of things from that. But um, we're going to be jumping into our series in First and Second Samuel in just a few weeks, but before we do that, uh, we just want to bring you some topical teaching and uh, just uh, talk about some things that have been on our hearts. And uh, so I get to bring you one of my favorite passages passages of the New, New Testament this morning, uh, John 17 and Jesus's high pri- priestly prayer. Uh, it's one of my favorites. But before we go there, I just want us to recite our affirmation together. This is what we believe about about Scripture and uh, what we want our attitude to be. Coming to it. So if you believe it, let's say it together. Our pursuit is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a biblically functioning community. We will not shy away from the Word of God. We will embrace it as truth. No matter how painful it is to our souls or how countercultural it is to our souls, we will follow the King into eternity. If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 17. It will be in verses 9 through 26 this morning. This is Jesus praying for his disciples. so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one i and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and i have loved them even as you have loved me father i desire also i i desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where i am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world o righteous father even though the world does not know you i know you and these that know know that you have sent me. I made known to them your your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. With that, I would just invite you to pray, ask God to, to speak to your heart and I'll pray for us collectively. Father, we just thank you for your word and this truth. We just thank you that you um, aren't a God who is unable to relate to us but you are able to relate fully. You came down and and walked the the earth as a human, fully man and fully God. Father, we just uh, want to glean from this prayer of Jesus this morning. and I pray that you just uh, help us to have open hearts, open eyes, and open ears this morning so we can receive your word from this text. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. So I've got some Legos up here. Uh, Legos for an illustration I'll talk about later, but Whenever I was little, I used to to love playing with Legos. And I don't know about you guys, but I just love being creative. I love using my imagination to to be able to build things and, like, awesome things like this. And uh, I actually had one of my students, Jeremy Lutz, uh, build these things for me. So this is a helicopter. I don't know if you can see it or not, but it looks amazing. It looks like it could take flight right now, right? And whenever I was little, I used to love building things like that. And then sometimes I would, you know, get to build things like this and, I really don't even know what it is, but um, it's you know it's something and it's it's about creativeness and you know, you just start putting things together and you don't really know what it's gonna be sometimes, but you know, it's something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. And uh, whenever I was little I used to love just playing with Legos and and how many of you guys have kids or you are a kid and you ever left your Legos out? That's that's like the worst thing ever, right? Because if you ever step on a Lego you think you're about to die. Like, you think you just stepped on a landmine or something. It's terrible. And uh, worse than stepping on it yourself is whenever your parent steps on it. And, uh, you know, they, they start sounding like Marv from Home Alone, like, you know, doing the rasa stuff and all that. And uh, But for our purposes this morning, I just want us to think of ourselves as one Lego, one little Lego piece. That's what I, I want us to, to be reminded of this morning. We are just one little Lego piece. And the main idea that Jesus is talking about in this this passage this morning is that he wants the church to be one. He he says it over and over again. And so the big idea that I want to talk us through this morning is that the church needs to be one for him to build one. The church needs to be one for him to build one. Let me just give you some context around this this passage from John chapter 17. So Jesus, in in the chapter just before this, says that he has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. That's a pretty bold statement, right? And I'm sure his disciples were thinking, what in the world, you've overcome the world? What does that mean? And then in the next chapter, after this one, we know that Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then we know the rest of the story, right, what happens after that. But this is, this is one of the last things that Jesus does with his disciples at the Last Supper. He prays this prayer over them, and he also mentioned that this prayer is not only for these disciples that are with him, but for everyone who will come to believe in him through their words. So he's praying for all of us. He's praying this prayer over all of us. And what does he want? What does he ask? He, he's, he wants us to be one. He says it four times in this chapter, that they may be one. But how are we able to be one, and what does that even really mean? That's what we're going to dive into this morning. And I want to start at the end of this passage and walk us through and uh, let Jesus tell us how we are able to be one. So picking up in verse 26, it says this, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's the key right there. It's love. That's what allows us to be one. But get this, it's not just love. It says it's the love with which you have loved me. He's talking to the Father. He's saying the love with which you have loved me, Father, is what it allows all of us to be able to love one another. I would go as far as to say that we can't truly love other people unless we first experience God's love. We see this in 1 John four nineteen. We love because God first loved us. We have to know that whenever we show love to other people, it's not our love that we're showing them. We're showing them the love of Jesus, the love of the Father that is in us. That's what we show other people. And also, we should not love other people out of or out of them expecting uh, something in return. Let me say it this way: I've heard it said this way. Do things out of love and not for love. Do things out of love and not expecting to get things in return. We have to love others first. Well, what does that look like in practice? We have to sacrifice our time to go and help people. We have to sacrifice our resources for those who are in lack. We have to sacrifice maybe a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and and serve on a team or go help in a WANA or a youth group. We have to sacrifice to be a part of a body. That's what God did for us. He loved us first. And then out of that love, we show gratitude. We show thankfulness for what he has done. There's been lots of talk lately among people about whether or not we're we're in the end times today, right? Are we living in the end times? And maybe you've seen a guy on a street corner with long dreadlocks or something he's got a sign he says the end is near right we, we see that in movies all the time but um, and some people even say that you know it could happen on November 3rd you know what that is right that's election day it's going to happen that day and uh, I don't know where they get I don't know where they get that stuff from because you know the Bible says that no man knows the day of the hour but I'm not here to judge so um, we we do know though that Jesus talks in in Matthew 24 about a season. And what that season's going to look like before the end will come. And we can see some of those things coming to pass today. And I want to talk about one of those things today. And thankfully, it's one that we can control. Matthew 24, 12 through 13 says this. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I think this is on full display today. We can see lawlessness being increased, right? We can see the love of many people growing cold. But the thing that I love about this passage is that Jesus isn't talking about the love of the world growing cold. He's talking about the love of the church growing cold. Stop and think about that for a minute. That means that your love, my love, our love could be growing cold if we're approaching the end times, as some say. I love this quote from from Pastor Manny Arango. He says this Unfortunately, the church has gone from being full of Jesus following Christians to a people who are experts on every medical debate, people are more concerned about their political party than their brother or sister in Christ. I believe that we're seeing love bleed out of the church like we never have before, and that's why I'm so excited to bring this message to us today, because we don't have to stay unloving. In fact, we can't stay unloving, because Jesus says that the one who endures to the end will be saved, and that's what we have the gospel for. The gospel gives us the power by God's grace, to change and not stay the same. We have to work hard so that we can be loving, so that we can be one. I want us to look at John chapter 17 this morning in Jesus' priestly prayer and just kind of dissect it and break it down into different parts so we can see Jesus' heart for his church. So I want to pick up in verse 9 and read a little chunk here. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those Here we see Jesus praying for those the the Father has given to him, right? So that's his disciples who he's praying over directly, and then that's all of us. And this is a great reminder of our faith not being from ourselves. We're in Christ not because of of anything that we've done on our own, but because he has called us to himself, right? We are called by God into his family, into a relationship with him because of what Jesus did on the cross. If we lose sight of that, then we begin to think that, that our faith relies on us. That our faith is something that we can do, that we can earn. But, but salvation is not like that. It, we, it really comes from God. He's the one who has called us to himself. Ephesians 2:8 and 9 reminds us of this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Jesus not only reminds us of whose we are in himself, but he also reminds us of where we are in this passage. In verse 11, he says that he is no longer in the world, but that we are still in the world. He also hits on this again in verses 14 and 15. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And this is a great reminder that we are in the world for a purpose. We are in the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are each a part of God's family in a local church body to do what God has appointed us to do, to go into the world. And Jesus says that we're not in the world, but we're of the world. Well, what is that supposed to mean? Well, that means that we're supposed to identify ourselves with the things of God, not with the things of the world. You know, whenever Pastor Craig wraps up his sermon every week, he does, gets up here and does the benediction. And then he always ends with, you are sent, right? He always says, you are sent. Why does he say that? He says that because we're going from a place that we, are, we love to be in. We love to come to church. We love to be around our fellow believers and our, our church family. And we're going into a, a place that Jesus says the, the, the world hates us. We're going into a place that hates us. So that's why we're sent. We're on mission to do what God has called us to do. Jesus says that we're hated by the world because we're not with the world. We don't do the things that they do. We're set apart. But it's important to note that we're, we're set apart from the world, but we're not apart from each other. That's the key. That's why we need to be one. And that's point number one today, is that we aren't of the world. We are of the church. We aren't of the world. We are of the church. We need to realize that, that we are not of this world in the same way that Jesus wasn't. If we we're a follower of Christ, our home isn't here. Our home is in heaven, amen? That's what we have to look forward to. When we realize this, we can begin to identify who, who's on our team, you know, who's on our team. So I, whenever I was little, I used to play, I used to play baseball in, in little league teams, and it was always a rec team. So, you know, I never had the same guys on my team from year to year. And, uh, but wh- whoever was on my team for that summer was the people who I was closest to, you know. Uh, we would go back to my house after games and go swimming in the pool, or you know, we'd go out and get ice cream or whatever. And we didn't always invite the other team. We didn't invite the team who we just lost to, or won, or beat. Um, but you know, we were a team. We we stuck together, and I think that's the way that we need to be as a church family. We need to know who's on our team, and it's different than, than in sports. We, you know, you probably often don't associate with people as much from the other team in sports. But our job is different. Our job is to go to the other team and try to win them to our team, right? That's what God says that we're, we're called to do. We're called to go and be disciples. Jesus is praying that, that we may all be one because he knows what true unity looks like, right? He was in such unity with the Father and the Spirit that he knew the Father's plan for him to die a sinner's death, and he still came here. He was willing, right? He, he lost He he knew that he had to redeem lost people to himself. Not only did Jesus die again and rise to new life to redeem individuals like myself and you to new life, but he died and rose again to redeem a people to himself, a people who are called out, the ecclesia, right? That's what we are as the church. Let's pick up with our text in verse 17. It says this, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that you that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Man, I love that. I love that so much. Jesus asks that we may be sanctified. I know a lot of Christians today are, are content with salvation. They're, they're, they're content with praying the sinner's prayer, knowing that they're going to heaven. They are they're blessed and highly favored and, and they're ready to go and, and spend eternity with Jesus. But guess what? That's not God's full plan. We're, sanct- we're being sanctified by his word so that we can go into the world and make disciples. That is God's ultimate plan of redemption. So that's point number two today. We are being sanctified for a purpose. We're being sanctified for a purpose. We're not only saved on purpose by God, we are being sanctified for a purpose. And Jesus makes it clear here that that purpose is to be sent into the world to share the good news of the gospel. Jesus not only makes it clear that, that his disciples are being sanctified for a purpose, but that we're all being sanctified for a purpose. And that purpose is so that others can come to know Jesus just as we have. I love how, how Jesus ends this section of the prayer. He says that he wants us all, all of us who are in Christ, to be perfectly one, perfectly one, what does he mean? He, he means that he wants us to be united and not divided. And that's really, 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 really hard right now. We need to be united and not divided. And I, the Trinity is a perfect representation of, of one united God and three separate but co-equal persons with different functions. And I, I want to say this today. Being one doesn't mean that we're all the same. Being one means that we all have the same goal. Let me say that again. Being one doesn't mean that we're all the same. We're not all the same, but being one means that we all have the same goal, and Jesus prays that we would be perfectly one. Let me illustrate this using my, my little Lego creations here. So, so this little guy, remember I told you to think of yourself as a Lego. So this little guy is, is out here, and uh, you know he's got some pretty sharp edges. He's got some round tops. You know, he, he, he looks good. He, he's got a brown. He kind of blends into me, actually. Um, but he, he's out here, and he's just on his own. He's out here in the world, and, you know, he really, he thinks he's so much better than everybody, so he broke off from this little piece here, and, uh, and he's kind of doing his own thing. He, he's got some different views about theology and stuff like that, and, you know, he, he kind of gets in fights with people sometimes and disagreements in the church, so he just decided to just do his own thing. He, he's not really a part of a, a Sunday morning gathering at, at any, any church, um, but he's just out here doing his own thing. Let me tell you, this, this little guy, he is in a dangerous spot because he is all alone. He is all alone. And th- there's no one to, to back him up. There's no one to challenge him on his, his beliefs. There's no one to come alongside of him and pray with him. There's no one to come alongside and read the word with him. This little guy is in a dangerous place, okay? These, this one here, this one here, I asked Jeremy to build something that looked like nothing, and he did a good job. So this one here is, is what the world says that unity is supposed to look like so i don't know what it is all these pieces are just kind of thrown together right and some of them keep just breaking off and uh so this is what the world says unity looks like they want they want us to believe that that they're yeah they're united you know they have a common goal you know the betterment of society or whatever that means and you know they're just trying to look like they're united but really they got a lot of holes and gaps and all these pieces are just kind of thrown together they don't have really a a purpose or a plan. They're just kind of they're just kind of here, you know? So that's the world's model. And then this this is God's model for unity. This is God's model. Every piece on this this helicopter is set for a purpose. And that purpose is known by each piece, right? It knows. Each piece knows that its maker has put it in position for a purpose. And that purpose is to look like a big united helicopter. Right? That's what this, this thing is. And each piece knows that it's different from every other piece. Right, This one's black, this one's white, this one's blue, this one's wheels, You know, this one's propeller. Like, it, it, they all have different functions, but guess what? They're all one. They all know that they have been designed for a purpose. And they're good with that purpose being something greater. So my question to you today is what kind of, of Lego piece are you? And my second question is, what kind of Lego piece do you want to be? Do we want to be the little Lego out here on our own? Do we want to be just thrown together and not knowing what our gifts are or how to use them? Or do we want to be united as one, knowing our purpose, knowing that God has put us where he has for a purpose? I love what, what the passage that Matt read earlier out of Ephesians 4. Paul says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner Worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. How do we do that? Three quick things that we can do to be one. And guess what? It's an acronym for the word one. Omit wrongs. That's the first one. No love, no love, and know that everyone matters. And you can remember it really easy because it spells out one. That's what I wanted, right? So the first one, omit wrongs, omit wrongs. We got we to gotta forgive and forget people. Uh, church people hurt, hold grudges like nobody I've ever seen before. And we, we're, we're so slow to forgive. We're so slow to forget the wrongs that we've been done. But we, if we want to be one, we have got to stop holding on to bitterness for the wrongs that have been made against us. If we want to live by the way that Jesus calls us to live, we're called to a really high standard. Listen to this, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty sobering passage right there, right? That is sobering. If we want to be one, we have to forgive. We have to omit each other's wrongs. The second thing we have to do if if we want to be one is we have to, if there's no love, if if you feel like maybe you've lost love, we have to know love first, K-N-O-W, love. If you don't have love, we don't have anything. Maybe you feel like the the passage I talked about in Matthew 24 earlier, that your love's been growing cold. I don't know about you, but these last few months for me have been really, really, really hard to continue loving some people in the church. It's been uh, a challenge for me. I know personally, maybe it's been a challenge for you. But we have to know love in order to show love. And so we have to know that God loved us first. We have to know that he loved us enough and that while we were still sinners, wrong in every single way, he sent Jesus to come and die for us and live a perfect life in all righteousness that we might be forgiven of our wrongs so that we can forgive others their wrongs and then show love, right? That's what we're called to do. We have to know love in order to show love. K-N-O-W, love to show love. Lastly, we have to know that everyone matters. We have to know that everybody matters to God. It's a verse that almost everybody knows, and we sang it uh, for the first song today. We're going to sing it here again in a minute. John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Everybody who's a part of God's family, he loves equally. He loves everybody equally. So why is it so hard for us to not love people equally within the church? We're so quick to, to pick favorites, to be drawn towards the same people every Sunday and form our own little groups of of united ones, right? These little ones that just keep breaking off, and they're they're little groups, right? We want to be a big united one because that's what God has called us to be. Even with other churches and other believers, maybe they don't have the same political opinion as you do. Maybe they don't have the same opinion about little issues within the church as you do. But listen, if we can keep the gospel as the centerpiece that is what being united means as one big C church. We have to keep the gospel at the center of everything We shouldn't be identified as labels like Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian. We should just be united around the name that is above every other name Amen Jesus that is the name that we should be united around We have to build be one so that he can build one Maybe you're here today and and you just say man, I don't know the love that you're talking about. I've never seen that kind of love before, but I want to know it. I want to know love. Well, good news for you is that's super easy. It's super easy to know that kind of love. Romans 10, 9 says, because if you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you get to know love. That's how you get to know love. And I'm so excited about that today because that's all we have to do in order to know God's love for us. We just have to ask for forgiveness of our sins, and believe and confess. And once you know love, you're called to more. You're called to show love then. It's not just knowing love, but it's showing love. That's how we're one. Maybe you're here today and you're already a believer, and you say, you know what, my love is is growing a bit cold. It's been a tough season to love some people. I, I have some disagreements with some people in the church, and it's just hard to love them right now. Man, I was in the same place just a few months ago. And you know what I had to do? I had to run to God with those things. I had to run to him and confess where I was wrong first. Not where they were wrong, where I was wrong. And then we have to run to those people and ask for forgiveness for our sins as well. We have to be one so that he can build one. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for your word and its truth. God, we just thank you that you are a God who wants us to be one in order that you can build one. Father, I pray this morning that you would just help us to be one, that you would just help us to be your united church, that you would just give us, um, show us your love, Father, that we may show it to others. God, we know that we are unable to love unless you first love us, and we're thankful that you show us that love unconditionally, that you just want to be in relationship with us, and you loved us so much, even before we were even thought of, that you knew us, you loved us. Father, I pray if there's one here today that doesn't know you, Father, that they would just be able to hear this gospel today, hear this good news that Jesus died for them. He loved them so much that he died for them and lived a perfect life and then rose again to new life in order that we may spend eternity with him. I pray, Father, that if there's one here today that doesn't know you, that they would just hear this and just be able to respond in faith and cry out for forgiveness of their sins. Father, I pray that you would just begin the work of restoring hearts, God. Church, it's tough to be in a church. It's tough to be a part of a family where uh, wrongs happen, where things, hurts happen. And pray, Father, that we would just be able to run to you with those things, that we would just be able to seek forgiveness from, from you and from those people that we've, that we've wronged or maybe we've been wronged against, we believe. I pray, Father, that you would just begin the work of healing in restoring not only this church body, but church bodies across the nation and the entire church, the big C church, to yourself, that we may be one so that you can build. Praise all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.